Welcome to the show. Ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, fans, coaches, umpires, players, whoever you are, wherever you are, welcome back to Balls, Strikes, and Bourbon, a podcast about the art of umpiring and the pleasures of drinking whiskey. This is episode number three. I'm Bernie. I'm one of your hosts, and I'm joined, as per usual, by Josh. We are here to talk about umpiring and whiskey. So um, before we jump into anything subject-wise, I want to give a shout-out to Grant. I'm not going to say your last name, uh, but Grant, thank you for your email, your our first listener email. Um, Josh, Grant sent us an email. He's a first-year umpire. He really enjoyed our discussions on everything, and uh, he said, you know, it's it's a good show, and he gave us some kudos. So thank you, Grant, and if you, you know, I understand being a first-year umpire can be intimidating. So if you need anything, um, shoot us a message. You've, I mean, you've obviously got our email. If you're not in the umpiring Facebook groups that we're in or uh, anything like that, uh, Josh is a lot more active in those than I am. But shoot us a message, and, and we'll get that information over to you because there's a lot of good resources, a lot of veteran guys in there. Um, like I said, Josh runs one of them. I kind of pop my head in every once in a while. But uh, Yeah, when, when, when the uh, expert advice is needed, Bernie is there. So, good. Hey, Grant, I just want to say welcome, man. Welcome to, to the Brotherhood of Umpiring, and appreciate your, your listening and, and following us. And just my word of advice in, in one year, man, it's, it's at times, it's going to be seem like you're you're drinking from a fire hose with all the advice that you're going to get and all these stories that you're going to hear. And I think my my word of advice for you is just stick with it, be patient with the uh, with the sport, and, and be willing to learn. That's my biggest thing. Be willing to learn. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong as a new umpire with saying, "Hey, I made this call. What do you guys think?" If you find people who rake you over the coals, they're insecure about their own officiating, right? You either got a call right or you didn't. And sometimes, I've, you know, Josh and I are very experienced umpires, and I've been in conversations with guys, and uh, whether it's pregame, postgame, you know, online or at a camp or clinic, and I'm, I come into it 100% confident that, you know, I've got this experience. I've, I've been studying, you know, I take my tests every year. I go to camps and clinics. I know I nailed this call. And I leave that conversation going, you know what? I learned something today. I could have officiated yeah. that call better. So yeah, there's absolutely. nothing wrong with that. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of times if you if you have a fellow umpire who is is actually like flexing on you, there that probably stems from something outside of the umpiring world. They they either, you know, I see a lot of guys who it seems like they make themselves feel better by, by putting others down and, um, you know, just ignore those guys. If anybody is trying to belittle you, whether it's a uh, call you made or, or a rule interpretation that you have that may be wrong, if they're belittling you even though you have a wrong rule interpretation, they have a problem. Just ignore them. And like Bernie was mentioning, there's there's guys out there that – especially in those umpire groups that, that want to see other umpires grow and and can help you grow without making you feel small or making you feel like an idiot. So, Grant, welcome, and uh, hang with it, man. Yeah, welcome to the uh, welcome to the cult. That's right. Welcome to the show, welcome well, yeah. to whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Josh, what'd you work this week? Well, I had Monday had a, a conference doubleheader. I believe that's 4A that I worked on. Honestly, I can't remember. I think they're for a two two towns, uh, one here in northwest Arkansas, uh, hosted and hosted at uh, a school named Flippin, and that's F L I P P I N, Flippin, Arkansas. They're in north central. They're about two hours away from here. Flippin is is actually a very popular town. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of Ranger Bass Boats. I'm sure I've seen them. I'm not familiar with the name, but I'm, I'm sure gotcha. I've seen the boats. There's, there's also um, this new boat up there. It's called Vexus. They're, they're pretty popular. Bass Cat. Uh, I think it's Seacraft is over there as well. Anyway, this town is known for its boat manufacturing. That's where 
uh, Ranger boats started. Um, so those out there listening, they, they, you may be familiar with those boats. Some of you may be familiar with that town. Uh, it's the first time I've ever seen them play baseball. The game was was not good. Uh, I mean, you know, it was a run rules, a fifteen to nothing run rule. It was a one hour and fourteen minute game. I think that's my fastest high school game in history. I mean, it, you know, there were some highlights. There were some great plays. As all, you know, there's always going to be something uh, to take away from those good uh, first game went without incident. We didn't have anything anything crazy happen. No, there, I don't even think there was really any close plays anywhere. Um, some great hitting. Some pretty good pitching. Second game was also a run roll. Went a little longer. Hey, I want to say something about that second game. Um, so, Bernie, you know, in high school, they've um, the hybrid. That terminology is is gone. It never really was. It was something that that us umpires kind of made up to, you know, identify an illegal wind up position, right? That free foot wasn't perpendicular, and that. Pivot foot wasn't perfect. Well, all that's gone, right? So now all we have to do is identify the set position, and we identify that when that pivot foot is parallel with the rubber. Well, I've been telling folks ever since the news broke that um, that's how we're going to move forward with high school pitching rules, that there will be a new quote-unquote hybrid stance, and I've seen it now. Kid was in the windup, had his pivot foot perfectly parallel with the rubber with his non-pivot foot out there, norm, you know, perpendicular, normal, perpendicular, um, just like you would see in a normal windup, but that foot was parallel. And he goes into the windup, and I'm not scared. I balked him. He had, his bases were loaded. I balked him. Hey, dude, you, you were in, your pivot foot was parallel with the rubber. You're in the, the set, man. You can't take those, that extra step that you get in the windup. And so I've, Vince, I, I knew it was coming. I didn't know it would come that quick, uh, you know, second or third game into the season. And um, I saw it, and I think once I explained it to the coach in between innings, he was asking me a lot of questions. He understood. He's like, man, yes, I get you. And, and I've tried to tell him, man, it's easier now. We don't have to worry about all that free foot perpendicular, blah, blah, blah stuff. We, we, just, we just look at that pivot foot, and if it's parallel, then he's in the set. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. His his feet were almost at like a ninety degree angle to each other. Basically. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yeah. It it was odd looking, and I'm sure he's done it for a long time, and that's how he's always pitched out of the wind up. But from now on, dude, not in high school. You can go do that in OVR, but not in high school anymore. So yeah. Uh, Tuesday had a assignment out in another rural town, just a county over from here in Huntsville, and um, I had. Ended up having to turn that back. Work blew up on me, and just couldn't make the couldn't make the time. Couldn't make the assignment. And hate when that happens. And just so happened that the president of our association covered me there. So Poncho, if you're listening, appreciate you covering me. Sorry that I had to turn that back, man. I, I hate turning games back, but you know I, I, I've got to keep my real job. Otherwise, you know I'm in big trouble. So Thursday I got washed out. So that was my week. What about you, my man? I had I uh, went into the week with three scheduled. Monday I had two with the with the president of my association. It's always it's always fun to work one with the uh, with the the upper guys the, the the what do you call that the, the yuckety yucks? Yeah, but yeah, you know this guy. I've been working for him since two thousand six, and as far as in our area, the higher ups in various organizations, I could not be luckier uh, than to get him and and the team that. That leads our organization. Um, some very good veteran umpires. Everybody is is knowledgeable from from him to the the assigners to, you know, the the guys who handle the training and and rules and things like that. Yeah, We've that's great... that's what I was meaning by working with. I love when I get to work with yeah. those guys. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's always nice. He came uh, he came down. He lives a little farther away than I do, and so I don't uh, I don't get to see him very often. We've got schools in. Five, I think, counties is what our organization covers. Four or five wow. counties. Yeah. So three or four, something like that. So yeah. Yeah, he. I'm I'm right in the center of one county, and he's right in the center of a county that's two counties away. So oh, gotcha. Yeah. Um, it was it was nice to have him come down, and you know, I don't usually see him except for preseason clinics and and things, and then you know, postseason. Uh, we always have a you know end of the year kind of 
gathering party uh, get together. So I don't usually see him a lot during the season because um, I'm, you know, he's he's assigning and and doing his stuff and and uh, you know I'm working working my games in my area. But it was it was nice to see him. We had two games. Uh, I had the first one. He had the second one, and we cruised, no issues. Uh, we we had a. I've noticed this. I noticed this the past few years, and it's it seems to be getting worse this year. Pitcher wants to go out with one of those wristbands that's got all the plays and and like like a football quarterback on his arm. It's big, you know. It's like yeah. it's like a six or seven inch long armband that's got this white panel on it that's got all the the cheat codes for the signs and things on it. And we had to tell him like you can't you can't have that. Yeah, no wearing not, that when you're out there on the bump. Yeah, and uh, he uh, we told him he's like, well, can I keep it on me? I said we said listen, you can. You can have it in your pocket, you know. If we can't, if it's not hanging out, if you want to refer to it between plays or something before you get up on the rubber, yeah. You know, or or you can even what he ended up doing was looping it through his belt and looking down at it like a that's um, yeah, like a football player. And you know, you know, it's kind of silly. I'm and and I'm all about the rule book and I'm all about doing the things the way that you know my my that guys higher than me, even at the state and national level, want us to do it. But, man, I got to tell you, I was actually just talking. I just had our uh, local association. We had our rules meeting for the week uh, about 30 minutes ago, and uh, this kind of came up. I just don't like how Fed says for us, well, they can't wear a wristband on their belt because that's not the that's not how that was designed to be worn. And I'm sitting there going, come on now. Uh, what if they call it a belt buckle? Yeah, <laughs> and that's- wear it on the it's so annoying. Like, just let the, you know, I, I think a pitcher wearing it on his belt is better than him putting it in his back pocket and taking every second of that 20 seconds in between pitches to look at that stinking pitch card. Yeah. You know, and I get the argument. Just get the sign from the catcher, let the catcher wear the, the wristband, whatever. I get that argument too, but I'm just saying, like, what if, what about shortstop? What about second base? What if they have it around their belt and not in their arm? Are we really wanting, to crawl up that hill and die on it, you know. I'm not. I'm not really. I don't really want to die on that hill. Just let them. As long as it's not, you know, endangering the kid uh, or delaying the game, let them wear it. My that's, goodness, that's exactly what we did. You know, I mean, technically, should we have let him? Probably not. But yeah, right. Well, um, I'd rather that than then him get confused and shake off the catcher and this, that, or the third, and we take every every second in between pitches to get them on the same page the whole game. Yeah, I've seen them. I've seen guys make them make pitchers put it in their back pocket, and I'm sitting going, it, I mean, they got to yank that thing out, stuff it back in, then they drop it on the mound, and then blah, yep. and all this stuff. And it's like, I just wish that was one thing that Fed would clear up, um, you know. We ran into we ran into a situation with the opposite team's pitcher where he was coming up on the mound. I would put the ball in play, and as soon as I say play, he's coming set and pitching the ball. He didn't have a windup; he only had a set. And every time the ball was dead or or being thrown back from the catcher, he's staring in that dugout. And we finally got with him. Like, listen. You have to at least pretend you are taking the sign from the catcher. At least yeah. pretend to take the sign. Right. See, the rule says take the sign or simulate taking the sign. I don't care if right. you're, I don't care what direction your eyes are. Just look in and nod your head and yeah. come set. This was a uh, spring break tournament. We're, this past week was spring break for our county. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So it was a, uh, it, these were several of our pretty good schools get together during spring break and just play their own little tournament. And we've got a couple different ones depending on the, uh, the class of the schools. You know, we don't have, we don't have our like six or seven, a schools playing, you know, your 200 person Christian school. Right. Uh, but we've got, there's a bunch of little spring break tournaments. So we weren't, I mean, it, it is what it is, you know, during those tournaments, but it seemed, we told them like, listen, man, we get a regular season ball game or, you know, playoff game. You're like this, you're going to come across that crew. You know, who, and it might be us who we've got to do something about that. Yeah, yeah, and you know the the whole key there is preventing the pitcher from quick pitching. That's what right. that's all about. And so, yeah, if I'm if I'm going to put the, it happens a lot too after a foul ball. I'm going to put the ball back in play, and that guy's already set. I'll, I'll if I see it before I happen to say play or just say, you know, I'll, I'll stop and say, hey, 
relax, reset. Let me put the ball in play before you come set, you know. But if it happens at the same time and I just happen to put that ball in play, I'll immediately kill it again and say, hey, man, slow down. Give me some time. Let me put the ball in play. Get your sign and come set. And that usually, you know, nips that in the bud and, and prevents that pitcher from quick pitching because that's really the goal there with that new, you know, that's that new Fed interpretation. I think they did that last year. They had to simulate taking the signs. And I think that really came out because there's a bunch of guys out there whacking pitchers with balks because they didn't take the sign from the catcher or, or, you know, back to those pitch cards. They were getting their pitch signals from those pitch cards and weren't necessarily quick pitching, but they didn't take the sign from the catcher. And I think that caused a big stink over the past few years. And finally, Fed's just like, all right, listen, at least act like you're taking the sign. And honestly, if I had my way, I would just tell, I would just put it out there, hey, don't let the pitcher quick pitch. Wherever he gets his sign from, whatever, just don't let him quick pitch. Yeah. Well, what else did you have, my man? That's it. I got uh, my game My game Friday. I had three scheduled this week. I had those two and then a game Friday, and it got canceled. It was a uh, spring training game for two schools from up north at one of our local facilities that that, that has out-of-town schools come, and, and it got canceled. So, Gotcha. Um, that's all I had, just the two. We had some pretty... Pretty nasty weather this this week. Uh, Thursday, the day that my my Thursday games got washed. Um, it was pretty pretty gnarly gnarly weather for sure. We had ours over the weekend. We got some rain yeah. and cooled off a little. Yeah, it's man, it's been cold here. It's been lows in the the twenties and thirties and highs in the forties and fifties. It's been been I, it's beautiful weather, sunny and but it's too cold for baseball. Yeah, and too cold for golf. So been kind of a slow few days here well i mean if it's too cold to do anything outside you can always sit inside and uh drink whiskey oh yeah and that's uh that is a good idea and i actually did some of that this week i tried a couple new 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 um brews if you will what do you call what do you you don't call bourbons brews what do you call them um bourbons all right i don't yeah whiskey <laughs> bourbons bottles yeah. i don't know yeah <laughs> actually um try and I, i'm gonna feature this one so i'm not gonna talk too much but actually i'm gonna leave it a surprise i'm just gonna call it a new one and uh really enjoyed it i'm gonna i'm gonna feature it maybe in a couple weeks or so so well, what what do you what do you got in front of us today though man i'm i'm with the uh as advertised i'm with the woodford reserve i i'm a man it's it's my clutch it's my go-to uh for uh, if I'm at a, I think I've mentioned this before. If I'm at a, at a restaurant or a bar and, and I don't really know what I want to try, I'm, I'm going to go with Woodford. I mean, it's got, it's, it's got everything. I mean, the nose is, you know, it's, what is it? You know, tree nuts, fruity, uh, tree nuts, you know, the vanilla, of course, I think they're kind of known for their vanilla and, you know, same on the, on the tongue and got a little bit of that vanilla kind of honey and, and just a nice smooth, I like I like Woodford because when whenever it finishes, it's almost like I'm, I can taste the char of the barrel, and I don't know that I can truly get that. With, well, I'm sure I can get that with other bourbons, but it really sticks out to me with Woodford Reserve, and I just love that finish. They uh, they always do a good job. Very, they're another one that's like at least to me, it's like makers. It's very consistent product. Yeah, um, their base bottle that's not a you know it's not a single barrel. It's not a cask strength it's not this that or the third they're basic you know off the shelf yep straight bourbon. bottom base product is always still very consistent very drinkable absolutely i agree and you know i don't i'm not a big fan of of mixing woodford but uh, i do i have thrown a, a woodford in with a, a little um, coca-cola before and it's that's always a nice little you know like summertime when it's hot middle of the day or something if it's like a weekend i've been mowing or something i might mix me a a woodford and, and coke but definitely like it for clutch go-to sipping whiskey yeah absolutely what do you what do you uh what's in your glass tonight so um uh if you're listening and josh uh, don't be mad at me i mm-hmm. had an event to go to this afternoon and it was at a it was at a one of our local breweries very very good place and i don't normally drink beer but i had uh my fair share and so tonight um i was gonna drink whiskey but as we all know it's uh always good to to stay with one type of alcohol yeah, mixing is very dangerous, dangerous. Yeah, absolutely so i am uh y'all might laugh at me for this but 
I have in my hand right now, Hard Mountain Dew, because I don't normally stock beer in my house. Um, Those are dangerous. They are. They taste like your regular Mountain Dews, your Baja Blast, your classic Mountain Dew. Right. Um, but they're, I mean, they, they've got a pretty stout, I think, uh, I think five or six percent alcohol, which is an average beer. Uh, they're not like your seltzers that taste, you know, watered down and, and terrible. So they're, uh, they come in clutch and I happen to have a, a case of that in the, in the fridge. Yeah. I said, I'd probably safer to stick with this than switch to whiskey. And, uh, you know, I've got that good buzz going from, from drinking beer for several hours after the afternoon and didn't really want yeah. to turn that negative by mixing in some liquor. Understood. Um, yeah, you, you actually had me a little excited last week when you mentioned old fashions because I am a huge old fashioned fan. Uh, I don't think I've had an old fashioned, you know, there's several different styles. People have their own little flares to them and I still have not had a bad one. So I think, um, I think this week I'm, at some point I'm going to make an old fashioned and, uh, or was that last week? You, no. Yeah. You were going to drink that. This I was going to do it this week. Yeah, and that's right. I'm pushing it out. We're, we're, we're delaying okay. old fashions. I'll have them next week. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm going to try and be as consistent as I can out there umpiring. But if I promise a whiskey and then something comes up and like I, you know, like I did a week or so ago and I, I switched on, you know, that's, I think that's okay. I think, I think the rules allow for us to be um, inconsistent there. And so, uh, you know, I tried one of those, I tried one of those hard mountain dudes. Actually the first time I tried it and I, I text my brother and said, man, this might actually, you gotta be careful with this thing. It, it, I can see this putting somebody in AA, you know, that's, those are very um, interesting uh, drinks for sure. So the sad uh, thing about them is they're not available everywhere. No, I know. Yeah, I mentioned a hard mountain dude to somebody who's from, I believe they're from, they were from Missouri or Kansas. We get, we get people from Kansas and Missouri down here a lot, and they're like hard mountain dudes. I've never never heard of it. And I told yeah. them, man, just look for it. I, I found one at a gas station. He reported back to me that they are not available where he's at. So yeah, I've got. I've got a friend in New York, and um, they're not available up there either. Yeah. So, it's uh, I feel privileged that, granted, I live in a in a state that's in the upper nineties, hundred degree temperature majority of the year with humidity and mosquitoes. Yeah, but right. uh, at least we have tasty adult beverages. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's uh, that's good stuff. I'm, I'm a fan of those hard Mountain Dews, and on a hot day, especially in those. Uh, I gotta tell you, one of my guilty pleasures is twisted teas. Just the regular Ooh. twisted tea, yeah, refreshing on a hot day. It's very twisted tea is very close to almost a almost that Arnold Palmer flavor because there's yeah. all got that lemon in it. It's got that yeah. that sweet tea flavor. Yeah, I gotta be careful. I'm I'm not a huge fan of malted uh, liquors, and that's a definitely a malted beverage. And um, I like that first one or two, you know, and then yeah. if I go to that third one, a lot of times I end up. A little bit of a stomach ache. I'm like, ah, oh, I shouldn't have done that. But, you know, that was a mistake. <laughs> well, what are we talking about this week, Bernie? I'm, I'm excited to get into into this discussion. Well, last week we talked about obstruction, which is the obstruction rule governs acts that fielders are not permitted to do in relation to base runners. So now we're going to flip it around and we're going to find out what base runners are and are not permitted to do what the, the regulations surrounding running the bases. How can you as a team score a run? What do your base runners have to adhere to in order to make it from home all the way back around to home again and do it legally? And before we dive into the rules, uh, there's two phrases that you're going to hear if you've been around umpires or, or rule books or case books or you've watched anything online. There are two things you'll hear. There's the, the word a runner, and there's the word batter runner. And these are very important distinctions because every rule book makes a distinction. In somewhere, it may say, without liability to put, be put out, each runner, including the batter runner, yeah. or each runner except the batter runner, or each runner. You, you may see verbiage like that, and that's important because... The batter runner is what that player becomes. Once they have hit the ball into play, they're the batter. The pitch comes in, the batter swings the bat and hits the ball into play. Once he leaves that box and starts to run the base, he's now the batter runner. And certain yeah. things apply to him as far as 
a base award or other sorts of things like that. Most most often base awards, but there's certain things that that individual has. Yeah, it's, it's worth noting that there's there's a couple of other things that make him the batter runner as well. A walk yep. makes him now a batter runner. An uncaught third strike makes uncaught him a batter runner. Strike. Yep. 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 So, or if you uh, the Savannah Bananas, any uncaught pitch. <laughs> Man, I that, love that. That love is. It. There are people. I, there's those baseball purists that I see online. Like this is not uh, baseball. It's a good time. Yeah, no kidding. You, you know, it's not baseball, and it's and it's intended to be that. I mean, it is baseball. But it's not your normal baseball, and that's what they're trying to do. So, even if you know when those those purists say that, I'm like, well, they achieved their goal because they even got you to realize that it's not normal, and that is their goal. They want you to have fun. And they, you know, it's, it's a good time. I love it. Anytime you, wanna, you can catch a, the fan catches a foul ball and it counts as an out. That, counts as an I, out. I am down for that, man. Put make that a rule in high school. Here's how I look at it. If these people might sit here and bitch about it, it's not real baseball. But they have a, they are a minor league. They're not even. They're a uh, independent league ball club. Yeah, that's right. That has a lottery to buy their tickets because they're that popular. Yep. There, there's a Harlem Globetrotters yeah, of baseball, and let it yep. go. I mean, just have fun and just enjoy the show, man. Yeah. You know, their tickets are all you can eat, from what I understand. You buy a ticket, you get food and yep. drink, period. It just yeah, gets you in right. and gets you everything. Yeah, that's um, good stuff. <laughs> yeah, that is one of their rules, from what I understand. Uh, it is. Uh, yeah. If you any pitch that's not caught by the catcher, you can steal first. You can steal first. And <laughs> what's funny is uh, they started that, and there is actually what's the, um, what's the low A ball league that. Uh, where they first tried out the the, the uh, automated strike zone. Uh, oh no, that's a that's another independent league, the Atlantic. Yeah, league. no, yeah, the Atlantic. So the Atlantic yeah. actually, um, they actually experimented with that stealing of first after that, after the Savannah Bananas made it a thing. They actually experimented with that. That's I don't ridiculous. know that they still do that, but I know they experimented <laughs> with it. <laughs> that's that's ridiculous. Um, I love it. <laughs> but no, so the batter becomes a batter runner once. He is he's put the ball in play, or you know a third strike is not caught. He is uh, a word of base on balls. Technically, a hit by pitch. He is a batter runner, but it's a dead ball, so it's not yeah. like he can do anything, you know, wild or strange during that. Right. Uh, but anytime the batter finishes batting, is now is running the bases until the conclusion of playing action. He is a batter runner, and everyone knows. You know, just like numbers, you're counting. You know, you count one, two, three, four. You got to run the bases in that order. Home, first, second, third, back to home. And if a situation dictates that you have to run the bases backwards, for instance, you know, you've got runners on first and second, and they're running on the pitch. Runner on second base has a huge lead. Fly ball to deep right field. Looks like it's going to be a home run. He's running hard. Third base coach is windmilling. All of a sudden, it gets robbed, right? He has to tag up at second base. Yeah. He cannot go back to second base. He has to go back to third, touch third, second base. Yeah. And, and the defense, if he doesn't touch third, the defense has to appeal at third base. Yeah, which are just like any other missed base. Yep. I mean, uh, regular order or reverse order, they have to touch them in order. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, all three rule sets are very, very similar with running the bases. It's, there's not, you know, we, we talked last week about obstruction and how high school rules throw in this wrench that obstruction is an automatic award. There's no wild major difference between what base runners can and can't do in all three rule sets. So you're going to hear us. We're not really going to read each rule word for word like we did last week because yeah. it's all pretty much the same. Base runners can do the same things in every level uh, yeah. for the most part. Uh, yeah. There's a lot that goes into that, you know, missing bases and running in reverse order. I mean, you got, um, and stuff we won't get into this week because it just, it would drag us into a two hour show, but you know, last time by and, and appeals and all that stuff. And we'll get into that in later episodes. So there's a lot going on there. We're just, we're just kind of, we're taking a 30,000 foot view of this and right. we're trying to make it understandable for, for players and coaches and new umpires, even veteran umpires, maybe who haven't looked at uh, base running the way we're going to talk about it tonight. And so, yeah, I mean, we could, we could, in time, with different 
uh, whiskeys, we will discuss more about base running. Yes. Well, you, you mentioned runner and batter runner. And so I think that kind of segues us into talking about uh, what a force is. Because we have this, and, and you know, I think the, the term force or force play or force out is misunderstood. Uh, we, one thing we've got to remember is that a force is a condition of the runner, of any runner that's on base. And, and that condition is created when the batter puts the ball in play. Yep. When he does that, now the force is created. So any runner who is at the next base, so if the batter runner puts the ball in play, there has to it's like it's like a chain, right? Each runner is a link in that chain. If there's a runner at first, when that batter runner puts the ball in play, he is forced to vacate first because now the batter is trying to reach first base. So the batter runner, the batter creates that force. Right. Therefore, by logic, I know this is, and it's semantics really, but the batter is, the batter runner is never forced. No. He is the force. Right. The he is what is with pushing you, right? the runner around. Yeah, exactly. So while the methods for retiring a batter runner at first base are very similar to retiring a force runner at any other base, the batter runner being retired at first is not a force out. And I, right. I think that that messes some people up sometimes, but it's not a force out because he is the force. Now, that said, if there's a runner on first and there's a runner on second, the batter runner is forcing both of those runners. Yep. Everybody's like, well, no, it's it's the batter on or it's the runner on first who forces the runner at second. Well, yes, he's part of that chain, but it's the batter who is forcing both of them because just like your scenario, a fly ball. Even on a fly ball, there is still a force condition on those runners. In theory, they are still being forced, although they may have to go halfway, or if the ball's caught, they have to retouch. But once that ball's caught, there's no longer a force. They don't have to run anymore. Because Why is that? Well, because the batter's out. Right. Once the batter is retired. Yeah, there's no longer a force. If the, if the batter runner is retired prior to reaching first base, there's, yeah, the, there's no one there to force any other runner to advance. Yeah, right. It's over. And so, so when we think of it that way, then we can kind of understand the, the depth. There's a little bit of depth there about the force. It, it, it opens us up. It frees us up to understand more about this, this uh, base running rules, how to retire that runner, just like on a double play, uh, a double play ball. Say we got a runner on, let's just say he's on first. Okay, we have just a runner on first, and there's a ground ball hit to the first baseman. Well, he fills the ball right by the bag. He goes ahead and steps on first base to retire the batter runner. When they throw it to second, now what has to happen? You've got to tag him. Yeah, you, yeah. There's no force at second anymore. You've got to tag that runner in order to get it, uh, to record the out. And so, right. because um, lack of lack of a batter runner behind him means that you know if if he's the catcher or the first baseman who runs like he has a piano strapped to his back. <laughs> and, hey, and that's that how was, I ran. Yeah, that's same. That's why I umpire. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but the uh, you know, and that was a line. That was a that was a one hop shot to the first baseman. He may only be halfway to second base. So he, now that the batter runner has been retired, there's nothing forcing him to second. He could turn around and go, I'm going to go back to first and try and I'm going to yeah. try and get them to get me in a rundown and hope that they throw the ball away or obstruct me or do something like that so that I can stay on base. Cause he can do yeah. that now that there's no one behind him to force him. Exactly. And, and subsequently, if there was a runner on uh, first, second, and third, if the runner, there can still be a force condition can still apply to some runners and not others. So so say that there was a, a bases loaded and there's a ground ball up the middle and they, they fill the ball and touch second. Well, R1's now out on the force. Well, now R2 and R3 are no longer forced. Right. Because that chain's been broken. Anybody between where that out was recorded, where that chain was broken back towards the batter runner, they are still forced all the way back to the batter runner, but no one else is. And in the scenario I gave you, there's no one forced anymore. And so, right. yep. Now, now that, that brings up another point, unless you had something else to add to that. 
No, you, I, think, I mean that was that was a you used examples I would have used, and I, you know I have used in the past. So I'm well. There's there's times whenever you know once you reach the base that you're forced to, the force is over. The force right. conditions off of you, unless you retreat from that base. Yes. So if you were a runner on first, say you were stealing on the pitch, and they hit a, the batter runner hits a let's just say it's a ground ball. And by the time that that ball is fielded, you're already at second. Maybe the runner was confused and thought it was uh, a caught fly or caught line drive, and he he's already touched second. He's no longer forced to go anywhere. He's he's good where he's at. But he he in his confusion retreats towards first. Well, it was a ground ball. It wasn't a caught line drive. Well, now he has reestablished that force. He is required. He is forced to second. You can throw over. And execute a force out at second yep. base, and that's and, that's true for for third base as well. Third base, and, and uh, you know, it gets kind of tricky at home. It's hard to unscore a run legally. Uh, once he touches home, he's good. Right. So there's no reestablishing the force at home. I can't think of. I I didn't really um, in my preparation for the show didn't really think about studying reestablishing a force at home. I don't think it's possible. Maybe there's a, a seasoned umpire out there that's listening uh, that can email us or, or shoot me a message and correct me. But once you score legally, you can't unscore that run. Uh, I think you're right. But like you said, it's never, it's never been something I've ever encountered or had brought up in conversation. And I didn't, I didn't look it up. It, it, it uh, especially it if we need that just now. We need that run to to get to the run rule, right? We're not unscoring that thing. I need to I need to get to the locker room and eat a hot dog between the next game, you know. So uh, also this throw I'm gonna throw this in here too to the lay person who may be listening, the the uneducated, you know, maybe it's a it's somebody getting into umpiring or someone who's never cracked open a a book or even really understand baseball. The batter runner going from home to first one base home to first is what forces another runner. The batter runner running in general is not what forces. So if he if he touches first and, and the batter runner goes to second, that's on his own. He is only, that force is only from home to first. Once he's reached first base, he can no longer force anyone. So don't get confused. Um, and, and I know once again, if you're an umpire, you're, 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 you're seasoned coach player, whatever, you're listening to me and going, well, duh. Right. But this is an educational podcast and i want to make sure people understand simply because you're the batter runner doesn't mean you have the right of way to to i I want to try and turn this single into a double you have to get off second base no once you reach first that is the end of of a force situation you you cannot you running past first base is now running at your own peril and if that that guy ahead of you stays on second base guess what you're hung up between first and second and you have to try and figure out a way to get out of it yeah that's right and and an easy way to remember that once that batter runner touches first, we're no longer going to consider him a batter runner. He's now a runner. Although, you know, in in explaining plays, we can say, well, the batter runner ended up at second base. That's just basically a way for us to say the guy who hit the ball is now at second. But in in as far as letter of the rule, yeah, he's he's no longer the batter. Once the batter runner reaches first and all forced runners reach the base they're forced to, the force is off. That condition is now over. Um, everybody's relieved of their of the requirements uh, that they were under when they were forced. That's a great point. Didn't want to get too far off with that, but I wanted to make sure that anyone listening was clear on that. Yeah, and you know, <clears throat> the next point you're going to discuss, I think it, it happens in situations like you just explained where that batter runner is maybe trying to do a little more than he needs to and, and ends up in a in a spot where he ends up passing somebody. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? So with every rule set, as far as I know, every baseball rule set, I believe, and we're not going to go into it, I believe there is a softball rule set out there from back in my softball days that is the opposite. But in every baseball rule set that I know of, if any runner passes another runner, he is out. So that situation Josh talked about, where you've got a, a, a ball that maybe the, one of the runners thought was caught, but it wasn't. 
but he you know he thinks it's caught, so he's turning around to go and tag up. But the guy behind him knows the ball wasn't caught. He's running at full speed. Well, guess what? The guy behind him, it's his job to be alert enough to what his teammates are doing because he's, he's the one running forward. He's looking ahead. So by passing that guy, the trail runner, who is now the lead runner by way of passing, he's going to be out. Every rule set, if you, every baseball rule set, if you pass someone on the base pass, you are out. Yep. Yeah, I think um, a play that comes to mind from the bigs, I believe it was, I believe it was Trey Turner. It was somebody with with the Dodgers a couple of years ago. Yep, had a three run single, had a three RBI, or maybe it was a two RBI single. Maybe there was just two people on. Hit a home run. They thought it might the guy R one thought it might have been caught or robbed. Yep, like I said, I, I believe that. it was, I believe it was Turner. I could be completely wrong on that. Somebody can correct me on that, but. He rounds first, like in his home run trot, and R one's standing there, like, did that ball get caught? And they pass. The batter yeah, runner and- passes R one. Well, he's credited with the single, and uh, the the runners that were on, I believe it was just two runners, they score. And so he's got now he's got a instead of having a three run home run, he's got a two RBI single. Right, and it's you know the mechanic for that as an umpire, you're not killing it, you're not doing anything, you're simply pointing yeah, at him right. going, he passed, you're this guy's out, you're yeah. making an out call, pointing at the guy, this guy's out for passing somebody, and the play is continuing. Yeah, everything else could still right. be happening. It's a live ball, but it's auto. It's that is not an appeal. That's right there. You see him passing me, or hey, passed him. He's out. He's out. Yeah. And then keep playing with what you with what you've got. On the and field. actually, it, it um. It's yeah, it's not an appeal. So say it does happen, and, and you know I'm I mostly work two umpires, uh, two umpire games, and so yep. there's a good chance that I might not see that sort of passing. I hope that I would, but you know we got a ball threatening the boundary. Both of our eyes need to be on that ball threatening the boundary. Everything else that occurs is is secondary. It's peripheral vision uh, type action, and if it's not seen, the coach can't come out there and say, hey, he, I mean, he passed. Well, he may have coach. I didn't see it. I can't call what I didn't see. Um, sorry, you know. Um, so there's, you know, if you're if you're out there watching your your son's high school baseball game next week, and and you happen to see it from the bleachers, and it doesn't get called, calm down. They're out there trying to do the best they can, you know. But uh, there are there are, that is one of those spots where it could be missed because. Uh, we have a ball threatened in the boundary. And, and I think it's important for fans to understand that there's only two sets of eyes out there on a high school, on your average high school game. And there's, you know, 75 to 200 sets of eyes in the stands. And yeah. you got, an, you know, another 50 in the dugouts. And so, yeah, uh, y'all might see something that we didn't. Well, and, and, you know, on that, just not to go too far off the rails, but when you have the more, the more sets of, of eyes you have looking at a play, the different angles you're going to get. I could be staring right at a play. I had a play it was last week. Or it could have been this past week. I had a play. I was in the infield. Pitcher made a great move over to first. But the runner did some sort of weird, like, contortion of his body to the right because the first baseman was off balance when he received the pickoff throw. I think he was out. But because of the, the way their bodies interacted with each other, I'm looking right at the runner's back, and the fielder's glove is in front of him. I can't see the guy's glove. Yeah, yeah. I got no. Uh, and and if I if we're in a three or four umpire system, and I'm standing there looking right down at that base, I probably have an out. Right. But I can't call what I think. I think he was out. Yeah. But do I know it? No. And if I call him out, what am I going to do? I'm going to have to explain to him when he comes out. He goes, Bernie, why did you call him out? I'm going to go. Well, I thought he was out. <laughs> you know this guy gets this guy gets paid. I'm being paid to do a job as a professional, and the last thing this other paid professional, the coach, wants to hear from me is, well, I you know I guessed. Yep. So when you have a two umpire system, as you have in most most high school and a lot of your your lower level college games, uh, and, and shit, even in your minor league games and things like that, there's going to be things that you just can't see, and it's not because you're not looking at the play; it's because the angle that the players force you to see the play from is not an ideal angle. Yeah. And that, and that, that, you know, that's why I'm a huge fan of replay and I don't want to open that can of worms, but me as an umpire, I am a fan of replay review because it's just another angle to see the play and to get the call right. Because I want at the end of the day, 
I want to get the call right. So with that play, that, that play where, where I'm looking at the runner and he twists his body kind of weird, that brings up a, a, our next point. Pretty much a, a, it's, a, it's a good opportunity to move to that next point, which is, is he required to be rigid, straight, 180-degree line between first base and second base, no matter what end of discussion? Or he's got some variance there, right, Josh? He's, he's got yeah. – that, that runner has a little bit of variance depending on the situation, or a lot, possibly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that brings you into the old discussion, you know, base path, baseline, uh, those those terms that are very, uh, they get convoluted in in the layman world of baseball. But it's, it's not that difficult to understand. We really don't even, care. the only time we really care about a baseline as an umpire is between home and third and home and first. Technically, there's a baseline between second and third and, and between first and second. Um, well, that's that's I, the straight line between the two bases. We don't yeah, care. Yeah, it's about a straight it. line from the middle of one base to the middle of the next. Yeah, uh, base path, however, is is a different discussion, um, and and that you know a lot of people will say, well, a, a, a base runner has to run on the baseline. Well, no, that's not true. The base runner creates their base path, and that is the direct line from wherever that runner is to the base that he's advancing to. I think the simplest way to describe it is you have a runner on second who is running towards third he's going to score he's trying to score and he rounds third a lot of times you see that big wide turn where they they kind of run through third on their way to home and so they create this big wide left hand turn and there that may be several feet maybe even 10 to 15 feet into foul territory on their way home and that is completely legal that is their base path that they have created in advancing the bases yeah and the only time that they have restrictions on that base path there's there's two major ones and then there's a third one which that third one actually there's two two of those situations that can lead into other rules discussion we'll hit on them but we're not going to go too in depth but when there's a the main one is when there's a tag attempt once there is a tag attempt. Yeah, there's some requirements for that runner on it. He can run wherever he wants. I know whenever I say that, I've said that a bunch, and people are like, well, a runner can't run wherever he wants. Well, absolutely he can, except when there's a tag attempt. He has three feet either side of, that, of his established base path at the time of that tag attempt. If he goes outside of that three foot so he has a six foot wide lane essentially from the center line of his base path and if he goes beyond that one way or the other one side or the other then he's out for running out of the base path the other instance would be and this is a a rules discussion that we won't have time to go in depth on tonight is the batter runner running the last half um, of the distance to, to first base that 45 foot runner's lane now that said, he doesn't have to run in that runner's line. He can run wherever he wants. But if if one of his feet are outside of that runner's line, that three-foot wide lane that's in foul territory, is three feet to the foul side of, of that baseline, that foul line, if he's outside of that and he interferes with a throw to first base. Uh, there was a famous uh, play in the playoffs uh, last year or the year before where a runner was running to first base and he was in fair territory and he interfered with a throw to home. He didn't do anything intentional. The throw to home hit him, though. That is not runner's lane uh, interference. No, it's um, just a throw to first to base. To first, exactly. Yep. That's, but again, he's not required to run in that lane, but if he's not in that lane and he interferes with a throw at first, he's out. Yep. Uh, then the other would be force play slide rule, and that's... a a giant can of worms that's that's a big discussion but again a runner can run where they want to but if there's some requirements that they have to follow when it comes to a force play at the bag they're trying to at the base that they're trying to reach and uh, uh without you know spending too much time going into that just uh, the big picture here is a base runner can run where they want you know i was i think i was a third year umpire and i'm on the bases and i'm in b and there's a runner on first and third. And the runner on first, the coach sends him out into right field for his leadoff. And I'm talking like 
20 feet into the grass. And he's probably 20 feet off the base and 20 feet behind the base. And I'm saying, what in the world is going on? I didn't, you know, I kind of felt like I need to call something, but what do I call? There's nothing I can call. Well, this place called Skunk in the Outfield. And come to find out, I learned later, it's, it's actually an old school play where you send R1 out into the outfield and try to get in a pickle. And they, they, the goal is to get them to throw it to the right fielder because now R3 scores easily. I mean, it's actually, once you think about it and slow down, it's, it's easy to defend that play. But the, the, the goal is to, in the heat of the moment to get them to make that crazy throw out to the right fielder who's, who R, R1's basically standing right next to. Then you sacrifice an out or at least a pickle play in order to score that runner from third. So a runner can run where he wants. Um, outside of you know those those exceptions we we just discussed. The thing too is a lot of people would you'll hear the argument. People say, "Well, if he does that, it's a travesty of the game." Is it though, or is it simply a tactic to try and win a ball game? Yeah, you got to be careful with you know. I'll, I've actually had a discussion with an umpire this weekend, and he was throwing that travesty of the game out there. You got to you got to be careful about slinging that out there. Uh, I've been umpiring for twenty one years. And I can't even remember if I've even threatened to use that to use that rule to to call yeah. the game or to, to enforce a you know a rule or whatever. So um, I've seen a lot of weird things in baseball. I don't think I've ever seen it. I'm not saying a travesty of the game has not occurred because I mean it doesn't take much Google searching. You get back to the 70s and 60s MLB baseball, <laughs> and that was <laughs> that was a different stuff. time. Yeah, that Cincinnati. I believe it was Cincinnati Reds and St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, with that mess at the plate, uh, you can go on my TikTok and go back a few videos and, and find that. I mean, just absolute chaos back in those days. <laughs> I think that, that play you described, right? The, yeah. kid, the kid's at the edge of the grass. He's off yeah. first base. If they make a play on him and he heads towards second, I got nothing. I got, hey, let's see what happens. Let's see what develops. Yeah. But if they make a play on him and he runs straight for the wall... Oh, yeah. the right fielder that yes that's a travesty of the game at this point you're just making a mockery of the game but yeah. if you're just taking a weird lead you're positioning yourself weird hey good luck on whatever play is made you know but let's yeah let, let's see how it let's see how the how everything pans out and honestly i think i'm more inclined if something like that were to happen i can say all right well he's abandoned his his right yeah he's out for abandoning um but you got to make sure even on abandoning that he actually did abandon his efforts to run just because he took a weird you know, that, that that brings up something, you know, just because it's funny looking doesn't mean that it's illegal. And right. a lot of times that applies to pitchers and, and pickoff moves. But but even still, just because it looks funny doesn't mean it's illegal. And so it, we got to just, you know, go back to last week discussion about timing. We just got to slow down and take what the game gives us, process it, be sure we can align it with a rule, and then make a call or make a nothing it may be, I got nothing. That's nothing, you know? And if you're a new umpire and, and you're listening, and even if you're a veteran umpire, you know, it, it, you, you probably know this, but it never hurts to hear it again. In a situation where you have a play that just develops and looks weird, it looks weird to everyone else too. And there is nothing wrong with calling the play how it happens, letting it finish, and get with your crew. Whether it's one other guy or five other guys, get everybody together and just go, listen, Josh, did you have anything illegal on that? Did you have anything weird on that play other than, you know, it was just weird as hell? And you're going to say, yeah or no. Yeah, I thought I saw him do, I saw him do this. I, you know, and, and if you're lucky, you've got another, you know, you've got a third or, or fourth guy on the field with you and you, you've got different angles on it. And you're like, yeah, it was your call. I'm right. not going to jump in there. You know, you got a four-man crew. It's a place at second base. I'm not third base. Umpire's going to sit back. But you're going to, you know, develops weird. You might have an opinion. It's like, hey, listen, yeah, we, everything was weird. We couldn't, you know, get your crew together. You don't have to have someone come out of the dugout for you to get your crew together to talk about a call. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to try and get every rule application correct, even if a coach hasn't asked me about the way that it was applied or misapplied. and we're not talking about like, hey, if you make a safe out call, ball strike, that's oh, yours. Yeah, yeah you're yeah, living. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, you know, I try. I, I tell guys the same thing. Hey, we don't have to get together about everything. You know, there's 
there's a point when people are going to get, you know, our coaches are going to get tired of that and, and you start to lose credibility. So, yeah, don't wear that out. And they've got even guys in the dugout watch, re-watching those, those plays pretty much as quick as they happen. A lot of teams, when they're on defense, they just have guys whose job it is to watch, make sure that the runners touch all the bases. You know, they, they hey, you're, you know, you're the pitcher from last night. You're watching, yep. making sure he touches first base, you know, every time on the way around. But if you're working a high school game, you're working a youth game, a travel ball game, uh, you know, get the call right. Yeah. If yeah. it's a if it's a if it's a weird play, get together on it. And and yeah. once again, don't a play that looks funny but develops fine is not a weird play. But something that's just off the wall, you got yeah. six bodies in front of you all of a sudden on the ground, you can't see anything. Get with somebody. There's at least one other set of eyes on the field you can go to. Yeah, and sometimes you just got to stick with what was called on the field. Yeah. Um, and that's okay, too. So, you know, if you're, you know, we're, we're getting down to the end of this show, if you're still with us, I just would like to take this time and say, Woo Pig Suey, we knocked off that number one Kansas team last <laughs> night. And uh, anytime Arkansas beats Kansas is a good time because they like to make fun of the way we pronounce. What are they called? Are they called Kansanites? Kans, yeah, Kans, well, whatever they are. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, residents of the state of Kansas think we should pronounce our state or Kansas. But as we proved last night, it's Arkansas, baby. And uh, love March Madness. What a what, what a night last night. That was uh, what a tournament it's been so far. Some, if you're a college basketball fan, or even if you're not, I think you can still enjoy uh, the way this tournament is shaping up and, and playing out right in front of us. Uh, as I'm not a basketball fan at all, but in years past, uh, it hasn't been for a few years, but in years past, I did a second sport and that was basketball yeah. as an official. And Oof. I always, uh, NBA is NBA. And, and I think anyone who has <laughs> any knowledge about basketball knows that NBA is purely entertainment. I mean, Absolutely. you've got these guys that are, you've got these guys that are holding the ball and taking like eight steps before they do a dunk or some ridiculous stuff like that. I mean, it's, it's crazy. You know, if somebody, you know, depending on the level of superstar someone is, yeah. you know, someone elbows them in the face and it's not a foul and, and then they, they get right. blown on and it's a foul. And yeah. that's not to talk bad about the NBA officials, but at the end of the day, it's entertainment and they have to make their money. And, and you know, uh, I don't think it comes down to the officiating, but I think there's a lot of, uh, I think yeah. the league knows what, who needs to win what games. Yeah. It's, not yeah. the, it's not the officials doing it per se. It's, it's just... Uh, you know the league knows what teams they want and what positions. Yeah, if but there's any it, if there's any league you can do that in, I would say NBA is one of the one of the easiest yeah. ones to be able to do that. Yeah, I get but what you're saying. College basketball is pure basketball, uh, and I love it. I have as a have you ever worked basketball? Yeah, and so I I used to do it just as as religiously as I did baseball, but I found myself um, as I got older. Not being able to keep up with the sport, man. I mean, just yeah. seriously, that's what it boiled down to, and and I'm just not able to be the best that I can be out there on the on the court. And so, about ten or twelve years ago, I just uh, I hung that up, and I actually I still have my my travel suitcase. I think it's in the top of my closet there, and um, but I haven't I haven't blown a whistle in, in probably ten or twelve years. Uh, I I love watching. Oh yeah. I love watching the college bass, the NCAA tournament officials. They are precise. Every single game in March Madness is very well officiated. Agreed. They are precise. They're crisp. Yep. I mean, there's sometimes watching, and and I hate to criticize my fellow officials, and I'm not criticizing them, uh, you know, as much as I'm saying in the NBA, there is a level of casual. Yeah. certain mechanics they have oh. and that's not saying they're bad mechanics it's just a it's you know it's a different it's that world. kind of nba swagger yeah they've, yeah. they've got that but and they don't wear they don't wear lanyards on their whistles for the most part yeah, yeah a lot of them don't but yeah <laughs> but these college guys i mean these these ncaa first of all the shirts look great with the black sleeves i mean they're oh, crisp. Yeah. yeah and and the i mean they are every rotation i've seen has been flawless i mean guys calling a foul and somebody else is coming in to to administer the free throws and and you've got these crews that are you know just to, not to talk too much about basketball officiating but you know when you rotate typically the the guy 
underneath your lead official, uh, you know, on the baseline, yeah. he initiates that rotation. Yeah, that's right. And I've been watching these games, and these jokers are rotating almost at the same time as if they're telepathically oh, yeah. knowing it's going to be a rotation. And it's just, yeah. it's a lot of fun to watch these guys referee these games. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun when you kind of understand the basics of it and you see that. Yes, yeah, like they're, they got a rope tied to each other. You know, they're just linked together by a rope and, and just yeah, get pulled. very smooth. Well, Bernie, um, old Dutch, my my little dog here, she's begging us to wrap it up. She's she's been patient with us, so uh, yeah, we're, we're uh, we don't have uh, we don't have the last of us tonight. But uh, what's going on? So no episode tonight? No, no. Last last week was the uh, season. That's finale. right. That's right. Duh. And that's sad because that's a great show. That was a great show, yeah, and they're not. They they said they're not releasing the next season until twenty twenty five. Yeah, that's that's disappointing. <laughs> that's, so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but well, tell tell us what we're talking about next week. We we will have an episode for you next week. So uh, you don't have the last of us, but you have the two of us. That's, that's so, right. <laughs> um, next week we're not going to talk about a rule. Uh, I mean, we may touch on the per rule. Se. Week, yeah, right. <laughs> we are going to talk. We're going to provide you with ten tips, and I use the word ten loosely because it may turn into eleven or twelve. You know how we we get off the rails with things, but we're gonna, ten. Tips for being a good umpire slash improving or as an umpire, maintaining a, a high level of, of high quality of officiating, whether you are working, you know, at an eight, nine year old youth game to a, a state championship, you know, in the, in a, in a seven, a, you know, state, state, you know, high school final or, or something like that. So, so just some tips from a couple of, of seasoned officials who, you know, we're always trying to learn, but these are things that we have found that we've learned along the way that, that we still adhere to and we still practice that have really helped us to maintain some consistency through our game and, and keep our heads where they need to be. Yeah, and I've, I've been thinking about this since we discussed this earlier this week. For the most part, you know, the, the few that I'm going to offer are flashes in the pan. But there's going to be a couple that I'm really. I've got a couple of points that I really take to heart. I've got some. Yeah. I've got some short tips for you. Some some easy, concise. Try this. See if it makes you better. But there's a couple of things. So so out of those ten things or those eleven things, whatever ends up happening, most of them are going to be flashes in the pan. But we're really going to expound on a few things that that you know I take certain things to heart. Bernie probably takes a couple of different things to heart. And that's what's great about that discussion next week is that we're going to be able to dive into a few solid points that you can take away. There's going to be several points that you can take away, but there's going to be those few that are very core ideas and uh, things that we, we practice and the things that we preach and that you can take away and become a better umpire. And and my, you know, I'm excited because I, I can't wait to hear what you have to say because I'm excited. There's there's some things that I'm going to hear that's going to make me a better umpire after listening to next week. And so I hope that's that's what you guys get from it as well. And and likewise, you know, I, you know, Josh and I have never set foot on a ball field together. No, it's so, unfortunate too. Yeah, his we we will rectify that someday. That's I, right, I guarantee it. Yeah, but you know it. I've, you know, you as well as I know, I've worked with guys from all over the country, all over the world, and yeah. you're always picking up on something every time you work with someone new who's got a different background in officiating. Yeah. So um, I'm looking forward to hearing hearing your perspective on things like that. Absolutely. So what are you, uh, next week, next week will be old fashioned week. That's all I've got okay. for whiskey. I don't know what I'm going to do next week. week. I don't know yet. Um, I, I may try something new next week. I've got that Frey Ranch, which is, new to me uh, i guess they've been around for a little while it's a nevada whiskey which i've never had i, I don't know i think the furthest west that i've had a bourbon from is uh texas i don't okay. think i've had anything from you know new mexico nevada colorado or anything like that so you haven't had uh you haven't had tin cup oh you know what that is that's you know i lie too because i've also had uh what's that yellow stuff or smoke wagon or Yellowstone. Ooh, Yellowstone. Yeah. One of those is from Las Vegas. So I, I'll lie. I, I, I am, I'm going to go ahead and, and correct my call on the field. I have had, <laughs> I have, but this is, this is a Nevada whiskey. Uh, pretty excited about it. 
Um, I think they call this one farm to barrel, uh, which I'm guessing is the equivalent of farm to table, which I, I, I don't know what that means in the bourbon I don't, world. Yeah, I don't. I farm, <laughs> farm, and then a pause of a couple of years for it to age, and then okay. Yeah, I don't know what that means. I, I don't know what that means that they grow their own corn and they grow their own rye and they grow their own whatever. So I don't know exactly. I'm going to look into that. Uh, like I said, this is a new new bourbon for me, our new whiskey for me. Uh, so it may be that, or I may follow through one of my previous promises and sip on Kings County. Kings we'll County. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, it will be one of those two. I promise that. Well, I look forward to it. Um, I kind of, I'm kind of hoping that you go with that, uh, that Nevada one, just cause I'm, I want to hear about it. Yeah. But, yeah. uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's the setup for next week, folks. Once again, thank you for, for being a part of this. Um, thank you for listening. We you know we've gotten, uh, we have access to see not down to who you are, but we can see certain uh, statistics and analytics on, on our listeners and whoever it is that's in Canada listening to this show. Thank you. It's, uh, it's, it's nice to know that, you know, we've got, I mean, I'm in Florida, he's in Arkansas and we've got someone way up in the, the great white North uh, awesome. listening to the show. So yeah. if you're, if, you know, if you're up there in Canada, you know, good luck this winter and, and, you know, enjoy your baseball season that probably starts in June or July. Yeah, I was going to say probably whatever. June before they can get up there and pour <laughs> gas. But, uh, no, that's, that's all we got this week. I'm Bernie. I, I've been sitting across, uh, virtually across from Josh here. And if you want to communicate with us, just like Grant did, we talked about him at the beginning, send us an email at balls.strikes.bourbon at gmail.com. You want to listen to us? Uh, I know you. If you're hearing this, you are listening. But if you want to find out where else you can listen to us, go to Anchor.fm/slash/BallsStrikesBourbon, all one word. It's got links to us on uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify. The list, the link to listen to us right there in the Anchor website or on the Anchor app. And I believe there's one other um, that that we're trying to get the program up on too. I've got to uh, get with a couple different sites. Apple Podcast is one of them. So uh, stay tuned. We'll I'll update you on that. And uh, you can also message us through the Anchor site or app as well. So a couple different ways to get in touch with us. Uh, Josh, you got any closing comments before we get out of here? Uh, Strikes and outs, baby. Strikes and outs, baby. That's right. Folks, once again, uh, thank you for listening. This has been episode number three of Balls, Strikes, and Bourbon, a podcast about umpiring and whiskey. We'll see you next week.